The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and excited color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's the Four Horsemen. Jordan yeah. Peterson. <laughs> Are we on? Yes, we're on. That's uh <laughs> that's not well, that's what we were talking about, but we're not talking about that now because Well you need to pray for him though, you know, because yes. he's on the edge, like we were talking about, seemingly on the edge of conversion. Yes. And if if classical apologetics was enough, he would have been saved already. But he's coming. He needs that you know, his conversion <laughs> he, he could be like I was saying, like a C. S. Lewis type mm-hmm. conversion. Um, that just has a huge impact intellectually for a lot of people who well, the fact follow that, him's videos and read his books and stuff. Well, the, the good news is God is already using him. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's Yeah, there's that's, a whole lot of people that are going to be investigating the Bible just based off of what he's saying. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Paul said that some, you know, preach out of envy and selfish ambition, but they're still preaching Christ. So. Mm-hmm. We want to welcome old Ray back. He's our host today, but we're thankful that he's back. So give us a little bit of an update. Dennis was supposed to be here, but Dennis is sick, so we're praying for Dennis. So all the wisdom. Dennis got regular sickness, which is back this year, by the way. There's no such thing. There there are other illnesses besides COVID, in case you've forgotten. That's a thought crime. You can't say that. Yeah, we just got banned. We're trying to to get one of those new uh, Spotify warnings that Reagan's (laughs) going to get, like anybody cares about what we have to say. But Ray, give us an update on you. How have you been? Sure, yeah. Yeah. getting better slowly um you know still working on some energy and uh for those of you who didn't know what had happened to me I, I ended up with a a bunch of blood clots in my right lung uh some extensive extensive infection due to that and uh so by the time they uh diagnosed it they basically said that um I, I was a dead man walking uh that if I hadn't have gotten there when I did that uh, I possibly wouldn't be around any longer. And so God saw fit to uh, keep me here a little bit longer. And uh, so he's, he's not done with me yet. And I'm thankful for that, but uh, it's going to be a, a slow process getting back to a hundred percent, but we're working on it. So uh, being here today is uh, is an honor and a privilege. That's for sure. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. yeah. God's not done with you here. yet. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. So we, we got Ben Kerfman on my right. Uh, of course, Adam Black and Derek McCarson. I'm at the right hand. And, uh, <laughs> at the right hand. That's right. Uh, <laughs> on the screen, are you? And, uh, uh, sort of. <laughs> and I know initially <laughs> you beloved. overheard us uh, discussing uh, Jordan Peterson and uh, some things like that. But uh, that would be an interesting uh, look up if you would uh, get online and, and look at his latest uh, uh interview and and things that he's been saying here lately it's it it seems as though he's right at the edge and so we do need to be praying for him that as he's seeking and as he's delving into the scriptures which he definitely is according to the knowledge that he has um, that at some point in time very very soon uh, that he will come to see Jesus for who he really is that he'll respond in faith and that he would be a great warrior for the faith yeah. along the way. Uh, so 
be praying for him. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about a totally different subject. Uh, and I would venture to say this is probably one of those subjects that most pastors do not want to talk about from the pulpit. As a matter of fact, I remember a survey done several years ago, and the question was asked, uh, what are some of the things that you, you would least like to talk about or what you least like to preach on? Mm. And if I'm, not, uh, if I'm not remembering incorrectly, I think number two was money. Number two was tithing. It was offerings. It was giving, uh, that sort of thing. Was sex one. <laughs> it was on the list. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't yes. hear too many sermon series on uh, Song of Solomon, do you? No, you uh, don't. Beltmore's Bill Bill doing Bruce one. Frank Ooh. has been doing one. Shout out right to Bruce now. Frank. Yeah. Shout out to Bruce <laughs> Frank. Is it, is it, is it PG 13 or? <laughs> Man, I've watched some clips of, of it, and and the clips have been pretty good. Okay, uh, yeah. So I, I, I yeah. think he's doing. He's not talking about the mountaintops and the. No, <laughs> I, I just want to let him know that I'm very proud of him for doing that, even though he doesn't know who I am. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. He, he's probably been clamoring though for that. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I know. For you to I just blessed his heart. <laughs> well, my question is going to be first to the guys at the table here. Why would that be the case? Why, as pastors, would we not want to approach this subject um, in that way with our folks? I personally believe money's, if not the biggest, top two biggest idols that we have is money. Easily. Um, it controls people. And, and, and that's not necessarily greed, but... Um, the reason people do what they do is usually for money, whether it be their job or, um, so I think money controls people. The, the old uh, 90 song, my mind just went blank. Uh, it, the, the, the chorus of the song said, you live for money, then you die. Uh, it's like the goal. More of money, more problems. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> that wasn't the song, uh, but, but, but I do believe that money is one of the biggest idols and one of the most personal things that a pastor can speak about two people. And, and also, you know, because we are, um, uh, nonprofit, you know, we're usually paid by people's giving. So that can be a kind of an uncomfortable situation. And we probably, I haven't done it, but I'm sure we've all heard of pastors, you know, the, the numbers get down, well, we're going to have to cut your pay. Well, I'm going to preach on tithing today. You know, mm -hmm. that's, you know, is what it is. But I, I think it's hard because it is one of the biggest idols um, in the world. So I would say we got to factor in fear into the discussion because, um, if a pastor is preaching on money and he has some significant donors in his church, he definitely doesn't want to upset that cash flow by stepping on toes. And so a lot of pastors are afraid to broach the subject because they don't want to lose some of their big tithers. And so money talks as the saying goes and it's true inside the church as well because there is a, a business aspect and a cash flow aspect to um, the church it's just a reality and so um, a lot of pastors shy away from that because they just don't want to have to deal with that that trouble and that that headache um, so I think when I was a younger pastor in my ministry that was I, I definitely faced that that fear like Man, I know this is in the Bible, but I'm going to tread real lightly here because I know how certain people in the church feel about it. And so it's you, you've got that fear of pulling some punches. But, um, you know, realistically, Jesus taught lots of parables on giving. 
I think maybe 17, 18 parables are on stewardship. Um, and then, of course, the Bible has tons to say about giving and our possessions and money and, and all of that, all the stewardship aspects. So there's no shortage of no. material there. It's whether we as men of God have the courage to approach it with the clarity that the Bible does and, and lay it out there for people and, and help them to understand that um, it's a danger, it's a pitfall, but at the same time, it's a tool and it's a test. And uh, so I'd say fear. Okay. I think um, I think it's definitely cultural. Um, knowing believers that have come here from other countries, they, they're much more comfortable about being open about giving and talking about those kind of things because in their cultural context, it's just, um, it's not as materialistic. And so uh, for them, it's just, well, yeah, the Bible teaches on it. So we just, we, if you don't want to do what God says, don't be a Christian. I mean, that that's kind of their mentality with it. I think what's what's underlying what you guys have said, and I would agree with that. I would say most guys, if you ask them, that's pretty much what they're going to say of why it's uncomfortable or why it's an issue. Or uh, any time, there, there's never a good time to bring it up because the people are always going to assume, oh, you know, Budget must not be looking good. That's why they're bringing up a, a giving, you know, a series or something like that. As they're trying to boost giving, so I think underlying all that though is if you feel any of those ways, you're assuming one of two things or both things about your people. Either they're idolaters, and you're assuming that they're idolaters, and you know that by touching the golden calf, that you know you're, it's going to cause problems, it's going to start problems, or they're just ignorant and they don't they don't know theology. And so they don't have a doctrine of giving. And so uh, ignorant people get really mad at stuff, and I, and idolaters get really mad at stuff. Yep. So, I mean, that I think that's kind of underneath of it is we just assume your average American person, you know, or at least in our context, we're all, we're all uh, Southern Baptists. So in a Southern Baptist context in the Bible Belt, you just assume the average person in the pew either has an unhealthy relationship with money and by causing that to like you said, Derek, if they're a big giver, they're not going to give as much mm -hmm. because maybe uh, they're just using their money to, to uh, build up their pride or the person is just ignorant. And by educating them, now they're going to be under conviction and they don't want to center to that. So they're going to leave and go to another church. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that if you're trying to pastor a, a, a congregation full of idolaters or ignorant people, you're going to have problems eventually anyways. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and that doesn't mean you got to be a bull in a china shop about talking about this stuff. But I see so many guys and, and, and they go through Bible college and all that. And like the, the methodology is, is basically just pet people in their sin. And you know, like, well, you know, we're not, we're not going to go there. Well, let's talk about this other sin over here. That doesn't bother. It doesn't help the church you know? to grow in their understanding. It doesn't. And God won't bless a ministry right. like that. Cause the other side of the extreme is the prosperity pastor. Right. He talks about money. Every That's all single they talk week. about. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not teaching your people biblical stewardship and God's view on money, then you're really they're really going to be anemic, and they're probably going to imbibe some of this other false doctrine and Creflo Dollar and so the easy all the other the easiest way to can, to combat some of that is verse by verse expositional preaching through books, right? Because like you like you said, I mean, there's I don't know if there's a book in the Bible that doesn't address the issue on some level. Oh yeah. And so any book that you're preaching through, it's like. When it lands on it, you just say, hey, I'm not harassing anybody here. We're just moving through, and this is where we're at, and we're going to talk about it while we're here. And you just, and then you just lay out that doctrine right there. And that way people can't say, well, pastor wanted to bring something up and preach on this. No, well, pastor's just preaching the next verse from last week, and 
If you got a problem, take it up with Paul or Jesus or whoever. I learned my lesson with that several, my first year, um, I won't go into too many details, but, uh, we had a man in our church who was a big time donor. And every time he attended, I was told that he was in attendance and, uh, that I needed to, uh, talk to him, sit by him, those type of things. And uh, so we had a conversation at one night with some of the leadership at the time. And uh, they were like, yeah, we need to, you know, you got to take care of him. We need to take care of him. The very next week, I was preaching through James. The very next week. Partiality. God take care of him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I literally, <laughs> I literally read the scripture and I said, I don't think I need to say anything else. I did because I can't not stop talking. But uh, but it was just, I learned my lesson yeah. with that because it was like the very next week because they couldn't say, well, he's pulling something out of hat. No, no, no. This is just where we right. were. Mm -hmm. So that was the one instance I can look at and say, ah, okay. Yeah. God, it's amazing how, how in God's providence, he puts you in that spot and you're like, hey, listen, y'all don't want to hear this. And I don't want to preach it, but here we are. <laughs> we just got to yeah. deal with it. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly, I believe that Crown Financial in, in their book, they pointed out that there's 2,350 verses Whew. on money. 2,350 verses in the Bible on money. It's important. So it must be important. Anything that's talked about that much in Scripture, uh, as a matter of fact, you can pick out any myriad of subjects where God just reiterates over and over and over again in Scripture, this is the way this should be done. This is the way this should be handled. So obviously money is a a big subject. I mean, of course God knew that that was going to be, in a sense, the foundation of the way we live. You know, we're, we're going to, you know, have to buy things. So we're going to have to buy things to eat, places to live, whatever it is. So money is going to be the context in which we live. And so we need to be able to to handle those things in the right way. I think sometimes that pastors um, are scared in a sense because they think that if I get up and speak about this, it's it's a personal plea. Yeah, it, it it's one of those things where I'm looking at the the budget or I'm looking at my paycheck or I, you know, whatever it may be. And I'm going, hey, we need to get some more money. And so this is the opportunity for me to do that. Let me preach a series on stewardship. But really what I'm trying to do is get people to send more money. Mm -hmm. and, and I've told my folks in the past, uh, you know, just because you give more doesn't mean I make more. <laughs> uh, you know, my salary set. I, I get paid mm -hmm. a certain amount. That's just the way it is. Um, but if you give more, if we give more, then no doubt we can do more. I mean, ministry costs money. And there's some things that we can do, you know, just personal evangelism and things that might not cost money. Uh, but the majority of our ministry is going to cost money. It, it costs money to have a facility to meet in. It yep. costs money to, you know, have the lights. So I, I had one person, I remember this, it, 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 wow, this stood out to me so many years ago. They came up to me and they said, well, I just don't understand, you know, why y'all take up an offering. And and I said, really? Well, you know, um, I mean, why do you not know what this is about? He's like, well, I mean, you, you got a free place to, to meet. You, you, you don't pay any power. You don't pay a water bill. And I mean, this went on down the line. And I was like, ignorance. I'm looking at him going, 
What? Yeah, the power company's yeah. like, don't worry about it. Guys. The power we'll just keep it yeah. running. Yeah. Non-profit doesn't mean non-bills. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. But this right. is, if we're not teaching, though, if we're not teaching our people, if we're not preaching the word and, and not skipping over those areas where we're mm-hmm. preaching what God has put in front of us, and we're not talking about tithing and offerings and and all those things, then then we're going to have a lot of ignorant people sitting in the pews. Think about if your church, just say, has grown 10 people over the last year, and you've never spoken about tithing, uh, giving in, in any way or whatever. I mean, you've been maybe you've been preaching great messages, but you've not been talking about those things. Mm-hmm. Those people are sitting in the pew, maybe having not been churched at all in their life, not knowing, I mean, they see a, a plate go by them, but they don't really know what it's for. They might throw a dollar or five dollars or something just so nobody thinks bad of them or whatever, but they don't really understand it. So we have a duty to teach our people what giving is. And and it's not um, it, it's not just so we can pay the light bill and, and, and all those kinds of things. It, it it starts more on a foundational level with with God Himself and His Word, and so I want to kind of go back a little bit, very briefly, and, and just talk through some of this too, as far as where this began, and then maybe where we are now, especially. Uh, I'm not going to say post COVID because <laughs> we're we're Never. not post it yet. Never, uh, but. Uh, yeah, during the exactly. pandemic and, and, and where we are now, almost three years later. Um, but the first place we see tithing in the scriptures, I believe, is Genesis 14, uh, 18 through 20. And it's Melchizedek, his king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. I think that's the first place we kind of see that mm-hmm. being fleshed out in Scripture. Uh, it's not necessarily in that moment a command. I mean, it's something that Abram is doing. He's he's recognizing this position, if you will. He's recognizing who he is he is there with. But I think we can kind of see the start of it there. Uh, and then if you jump ahead to like Numbers 18.21, says, to the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance. In return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting. So here it seems to indicate, we, we've kind of moved to that point where tithing does seem to be commanded, um, that there's a purpose behind this. I mean, it's even to take care of those who are working in the, the tent of meeting, you know, the tent, uh, they're, they're, they're doing their service as priest as ministers of of God, you know. Um, And so they're being cared for in that way. And and then you can even kind of move on and and see some other things. Uh, I'll give you just one other one. It says, uh, Numbers 18, 26 says, Moreover, you shall speak and say to the Levites, when you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present a contribution from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. So here it's even saying, you don't just take in the tithe, but then you tithe off of the tithe. Now, I've taken that in a personal way, in a sense, of where I try to lead a church that I'm in leadership of um, to to tithe. So whatever comes into our church, I want to be able to tithe um, out of that 
to missions or to the work of the ministry, uh, not necessarily what we're doing as a church, but uh, what the the church worldwide maybe is doing. And, yeah. and so I want to kind of get the church to a point where we're tithing out. Um, and so we see these things going throughout Scripture. But what is the most recognized passage? You, know, you guys are going to know this. Malachi 3. Malachi, absolutely. Yeah. Malachi Bring it all 3. into the storehouse. Oh, man. So Money, Money's going to rain down from heaven. <laughs> so any good preacher worth his salt is going to preach a message out of Malachi 3 at some point, right? But uh, and in that verse, hopefully, right after Malachi too. Hopefully, yes, right. if they're well, if they're doing right. Well, yeah. and, and, and that verse in particular, and I, you know, we can go down. I'm sure we will. But you'll hear people <clears> in the church. Well, I give outside the church. I don't have to give to the mm-hmm. church. I just give mm-hmm. outside the church. Well, what does that scripture say? Where's what's the storehouse? You know. And so, oh man, that okay. Yeah, I, I was I was holding back, but Adam brought it up first, yeah. so I'm, I'm gonna say it. Now. I was getting Close there, off. but he jumped I'm trying, ahead. I'm trying yes. to let Ray run this thing. You're. This is one of the biggest things that I've seen with younger people yeah. with giving is 20s and 30 year olds. Of you know, I've got a friend that's on the mission field. I give a little bit to them. There's this parachurch organization, a campus thing, or something like that that I support. So I give some to them, and then I give some to the church. Now, do they? Now, well, no, I'm saying I, let's assume that this person is being faithful, okay. you know, to the extent that they believe. So I think it's it's more of a uh, you're just kind of correcting doctrine. So it's not like they're holding back from God, but I think part of the, part of the issue is it's an ecclesiological problem, right? Where where are missions supposed to come from? Missionaries are supposed to come from local churches, mm-hmm. the the campus outreach or local uh, homeless ministry, or, you know, whatever this parachurch ministry is. Uh, if local churches were doing the ministry, there would be no need for a parachurch ministry. And so why does that parachurch ministry that you're giving to exist? Well, because people give to it instead of their churches, and then their churches can't do the ministry. Why are you supporting directly this missionary over here instead of that person's local church supporting them? Because that person's local church is given to this other missionary over here, and they don't have the money to I'm support independent. that person. Right, yeah. Bobby Burgess. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, peace be upon him. <clears throat> <laughs> but one of the so one of the things that I've seen is well-meaning, you know, well-meaning young adults saying like, listen, uh, I, I support my church uh, and I do support my church financially and I support this portfolio of other uh, mission works and evangelism works. Now, is the heart behind that's fine, but I, I think the principle should be uh, you keep you keep until your needs are met and then you give until the local church's needs are met. So it's not a specific number or percentage and we'll get into that, but like. The idea is is okay, if my church isn't meeting budget, if uh if the people that are responsible for caring for my soul don't have their needs met, if my church isn't able to do outreach or missions or something like that, uh, then I need to be giving to them before I give to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of priority. So does that missionary friend that you have, do they need support? Absolutely. And you know what? If God's called them, he will provide. But your primary calling is the local church. That's where you're shepherded at. You got to take you got to take care of yourself first. You got to put the mask on yourself first, uh, at, like like on an airplane, not like COVID. Um, that the airplane one will actually save your life. But um, you you've got a uh, thought crime. There's the depression yeah. just popped up. Right. Beep. Okay. Uh, not medical COVID experts, right? Yeah, COVID misinformation. <laughs> he said airplanes can save your life. Um, <laughs> 
but but I, but that is one thing that I would say though for younger people is 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 you need to ask yourself okay uh, the reason why you keep the money first before you give it anywhere else is because God's commanded you to take care of your own needs and if a if a man doesn't provide for his household he's worse than an unbeliever so you need to be taking care of your family first but immediately after that is not your friends or this organization you support or whatever it's your church family. So if, if there's a widow that's not getting cared for, if your if your pastor's out here struggling to work another job or he's doing whatever, and you're given to five other things, you need to shut all that down and you need to give it to the local church. And I know people don't want to hear that; it's the uncomfortable thing we don't want to talk about. But the reality is, is I think I think that the emphasis there is is your local congregation needs to have its needs met first. Maybe helping people understand the the, the tithe versus the offering. I'm sure it's a good good distinction. That that really is. I I think before we move on, let's read Malachi because y'all brought it up and and I think it addresses exactly what you're talking about. So Malachi 3, 6 through 12 says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, as the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. All right, so in that passage, there's a couple of things that, that was just brought up that it specifically talks about. It says in your tithes and contributions. Mm-hmm. So you put it as tithes and offerings. So why don't y'all just, what do you think the difference is between tithes and contributions or offerings? How would you specify that within the context of the local church? So I would say that tithing is like the training wheels. That's where you start. Literally, the word means tenth. Okay, so that's where you would start with tenth of whatever you bring in. So you would advocate for... A, a tithe being a tenth. I'd, I say a tenth is the bare minimum. That's where that's the ground okay. level. That's the training right. wheels. That's where you get started. Okay. And of course, we we get that from the passage in Genesis that you pointed out. But um, that's what's that's not very dispensational of you. That's what's required. We'll have to sure we'll have to get to up. that here. I'm sure that's coming up. Coming. <laughs> so that's that's where you get what was required. But then the offering. Like, I, I'm pretty sure you don't see the tithe commanded in the New Testament. I think when you get to Second Corinthians 8 and 9, you, you see grace giving, which doesn't lower the bar. It actually raises the bar. Yeah. You're supposed to give proportionally to the grace in which you have received from Christ. So when you help people to understand that, like, hey, this is where you start, but really God's goal is for you to go above and beyond and give hilariously as the text the, the word in the text in, in 2 Corinthians is used. So the offering would be anything above and beyond uh, the the initial 10%. So I would start with the church, like Ben pointed out, and 
that's where my my tithes should go. And once I have met the need of my local church, then I, I go on with the offering and I go to the missionary or I go to the homeless ministry or I give to the radio preacher or whatever. Um, and so I think kind of helping people to understand that difference and understand um, the difference between what was required in the Old Testament and what we see pictured in the New Testament is is important as well. Are you I don't, are you going to talk about from a church standpoint in a minute? Is that coming up or can I address that now? Because it, it deals with exactly this. Yes, you can go ahead. So I think one of the problems that a lot of churches have is a lack of transparency. So one of the things people, we sit here and we'll preach, give a tenth, give this. But if if we're not transparent about where the money's going, um, mm-hmm. that's not being good stewards on either party. You know, um, I, I, I'm not going to name the church uh, New Spring, um, but... Uh, but several years ago, when they were at their height, um, t- just take the name out of it. But we went there for a conference. Well, on one of the tables was this booklet. And I, I was like, I picked it up and I started reading through it. And it was pretty much like an investor's guide of all that they had done. All, you know, all the salvations, the the missions, the all of this. And it it really inspired me. I'm like, man, that is awesome. Because it, it clearly laid out where the money went, what it was for, and here's what happened because of your giving. And it really kind of inspired me. I was like, I want to give to this church. But some churches are like, well, you know, 89% of our budget goes to the building, you know, and it, not the mission. And I know some churches are different, but I think from a church standpoint, we have to be good stewards. Like with our church, every pretty much every Sunday, I say that, and we hadn't done it in like two weeks, but during the offering time, we'll say, hey, we partner with this organization. A portion of your tithes and offerings goes to this organization. When we sold the land across the street, I said, we're tithing that money. So we gave 10, 10% of what we brought in from the land sale. But it, we made it a point to say, here's the organizations that we give to. Here's why we give to them. So everybody in our congregation should know where the money is going. And so I think as a pastor and as a leader, you have to be transparent with where the money is. You know, I've seen some churches are like, we're not going to show anybody the budget. If somebody asks, then we'll show it to them. That's not good steward. That's not being above reproach, I don't believe. So I think that if if you're like, well, my church isn't giving, are you transparent about where the money's going? Mm-hmm. And if your salary makes up 99% of the budget, that, you know, you got some work to do. I'm just being honest. You got some work. To I would do. say that also applies to the North American Mission Board. Oh, just throwing that out there. Ben is Southern Baptist, so he's at Barberville Baptist. Go ahead. I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to hit on that real quick because that's one thing that we can say here: people should give. What are they well, giving to? Yeah, that. Well, that's a, an excellent point, and. So even in that passage I read just a few moments ago, it said, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. So what is a storehouse? It's a, it's a church, right? I mean, that, 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 that depends in the on context. It, yeah. In, the, in, well, in, yes. in today's context, in the context that's what it would be. The temple. Yes. Yes. yes, it would be the temple then. But, but in, our context, it, so. in our context, that would be the, the local church, that there may be food in my house. So what, what is the indication of that? that the church can take care of the needs, not only of the people within the church, but would be able to take care of the needs uh, in the community around the church, I, I would believe. And and then, of course, we can even see in the New Testament where churches would do offerings to send to other churches because they were in need. 
at, at, at that time. And so th there's a there's a reason why God's saying bring that money into the storehouse. It's so that the church can help. Yeah. Now, what I see a lot in today, uh, you brought it up, especially with with younger people. It seems to be a trend amongst younger people that yeah, we're bringing some money into the church, but then we've got all these other things that we're giving our money to. And, and they almost look at that. Um, I, I'm just going to pick one random. So just say the United way. All right. So a lot of these organizations, if you look it up and realize how much of the money actually goes to helping people, mm -hmm. it's extremely small. I mean, extremely, extremely small. And then the people who are at the top are making these, huge incomes, you know, every year. Um, and, and you go, is that really what God was talking about when he's talking about offerings, when he's right. talking about these contributions, these additional funds, if you will? I, I think that the church could be the church better if we would focus more of our efforts within the church. Mm -hmm. I mean, we would be able to care for the needs of the people in our community if we were giving in, in such a way. So I would say not that you can't give money elsewhere, but you know, if we're starting at a 10th and, and I kind of hold to that on a personal level too, that's kind of your training wheel. That's your start. Mm -hmm. um, but then I give extra. So if there is a Annie Armstrong offering or, you know, whatever it is that's going to help missionaries or, 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 you know, take your pick of what those things are. Um, I give extra, you know, inside the church to be, to be able to do that, and that helps those ministries. Or if we're doing outreach, I can give towards that outreach and other things. Um, do you think we've kind of lost sight, though, of the giving that maybe once was? I mean, once upon a time, people, I think, believed in the work of the church maybe a little bit more mm. than what they seem to believe in now. And and some of that may be because, well, let's just say TV preachers in a sense, these prosperity gospel people, they're 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 going, you know, oh God has revealed to me that I need to have this eighty million dollar jet fill up the uh, storehouse so, of my ministry. It's like you're right. you were full like thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah. You don't need any more. Right. I I don't need to ride in a tin can with those demons. I need to be on my own plane, you know, this kind of, and, and this is the message. God made that airplane so cheap for me. I couldn't help but <laughs> yeah. buy it. And the messages that the world is receiving are those yeah. more so than they are. What are we doing in the local church? What, what are we doing within our communities to help people? Um, and so transparency, I think, is a huge deal. Yeah. But I think also we've become self-absorbed in, in a way. We're, we're spending a lot more money on ourselves and and making sure that we have a good time or we have a good get together or or you know we have this fellowship event or, or whatever it is. But we're not really reaching out to the community like we should. I mean, w would you? feel like maybe that's the case as well or yeah that's am I kind of overreaching well and that's something in in this uh, this is a part of this discussion but if you look at your church's budgets right like when when I got to Westwood I would say probably 90% well won't go down that path but 90% of the money was going towards the building um and it, we're not even in debt like repairs utilities now when you looked at the money coming in it was low, and the, you know the, the the true bills were high. 
So I think we can sit and say, man, we want to do so much with, we want to help the community, but we can't because we've got this building. But yet we hold the building as a sacred cow. <laughs> like we have to have this building. And so I think that we get ourselves in these circumstances in which we have the right intention, but yet we're held back by, you know, we're strapped by debt. We're strapped by debt. Debt. You know, some churches are are deep in debt, which is I think is a mistake, but that's here or there. But I think we strap ourselves to a point that we can't do the mission, and it's the same in our personal lives too. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I've told our church time and time again, I said if we were to leave, if we were to say, "Hey, there is this revival breaking out in Africa, and we're going to go be missionaries in Africa." next week how many of you could say i'm gone i'm going like how many of you would say i'm going very few of them why i got bills i I got you know i got to pay for my house i got to pay for my boat i got to pay for my truck and we strap ourselves with all this material thing and it's no different in the church and so i think money and that goes to the idol piece money is an idol because we think that you know we have to have it at all costs and at the cost of the great commission and so that's one of the big mm. challenges I've had is, you know, if we were to leave next week for a mission trip and I look at myself in the mirror, it's not like I'm just, could, could I go financially? You know, are you set up to obey the great commission as an individual and as a church? A lot of people aren't, you know, and I think that's a problem. So I think, um, one of the considerations is cultural again, I, I, I for some reason I keep uh, leaning towards those arguments, but so like millennials, I'm a, I'm an old millennial now, um, <laughs> are, so one of the defining characteristics of the millennial generation is that they're anti-institutional. So for instance, the, the boomers and the greatest generation were like highly institutional. That's the reason why when you look at church, your boomers, I mean, they, they may not even be saved, but they're going to give 10% every yeah, week That's true because they're giving to the institution it's the same reason. It's important that there's a building here because that building represents God and God belongs in this city. He lives and, there. And my neighbor needs to get right with God. I'm not, but my neighbor needs to. And they need to see that church there and the bell better ring on Sunday and somebody better be up there preaching as long as it's not, you know, dealing with my sin. And, you know, whatever. Obviously not every boomer is not, <laughs> not that way. But but um, but uh, generationally, though, there was this understanding that the church is an institution and that institutions require funding and that they serve a higher purpose. And so they need to exist. And so when you're giving, yes, you're paying for a light bill, but that building in the center of town represents something and it represents the kingdom of God. And if we want people to hear about Jesus, they need to know that there's a place that they can go and hear about Jesus. That was the mentality with millennials. We grew up in in an environment where, um, those institutions became bureaucratic, which institutions naturally do. That's the normal way that things break down is they fill up with red tape. They fill up with committees. They, they get hung up and clunky and they can't do the work that they were doing in the beginning. I mean, uh, I mean, look at uh, the early church versus Roman Catholicism. Very simple. We're going to gather. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to take up an offering, make sure the widows and the people that are getting locked up in prison are taken care of. Very simple. 300 years later, you've got papacy, you've got, indulgences. Uh, you know, indulgences, you've got, uh, you know, uh, church state government. I mean, like all this other bureaucracy, right? Then you have the Reformation. Let's just strip it back down to the Bible. And then you build up to where now you've got, you know, high church, you know, all this kind of stuff. 
that's just the natural tendency of things, right? I'm going to give you 10 commandments, and then a few years later, you get 613 laws. I mean, that that's just the way that humans work. So millennials grew up in the midst of that, yeah. where the institutions that used to be very effective, you know, the the churches were doing orphanages, they were doing medical care, they were doing elder care, they were doing mental health, they were doing everything. When the greatest generation and the boomers came up, those organizations were effective yeah. and they were doing really well. And then they became clunky over time so that when the millennials grow up, they do exactly like what Ray was saying. They look at the budget and they're like, y'all were doing like 5% of everything you bring in actually does something. Like, why would I give to that? That's a horrible investment. When I can give to my friend over here that's planning a church or doing missions and like 90% of it is actually going to uh, do this or like... You know, I can give to this printing house that prints out tracks and for a for you know, or or or, or this missions organization, I give them ten dollars and for ten dollars they'll put a Bible in somebody's hand that doesn't have it in their own language. But if I give ten dollars to the church, then like five cent of that actually goes to missions and the rest of it's going to a light bill. I think that's the big reason why my, my, why my like thirty year old. that's good. I think those things are valid. Too. It's a fair question to ask, and I think I think that's part of what we have to answer of what of like what you're asking is what are we giving to? We have to restore faith in the institution of the church uh, with that generation of listen. Other organizations that you give to are that way, but it's not that way here. But we can't just say that. That's where the transparency and all yeah. that comes in. Is you have to actually see see something happening uh, with the money well, i've been thinking too i've been you know you see we're hiring everywhere and i read an article a couple of weeks ago and it made me really spark and it goes to exactly what you're talking about with millennials and what's the new generation zoomers yeah zoomers that like the i the the ideal life the big house, the white picket fence is like, that is not in their desire. They're less materialistic. So that's it's for, like, that's for rich white misogynists. So yeah. it's, well, but it's honestly, tiny homes, tiny homes, small footprint, minimalism, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and all that you just said Save is the planet. Neil no, right, they, they see an effectiveness and an efficiency with no overhead. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, there's obviously problems, but I think a lot of people that get in a tiny home live debt free, and then they right. don't they don't have to make a big salary, and nope. they don't have to. You right. know, so, so you see enjoy th- life. So you see things <laughs> like I, I don't even know if it's still going, but you know, Francis Chan, the whole we are church thing. It's exactly what it. Is. We're eliminating the quote unquote building, and they started house churches again. Mm-hmm. Um, well, think about it like this. I'll give you an example. Just several years back, I was talking to a guy. He, he was pastor of a church. There was a storm that came through, and the storm, and now this is an established downtown church. Storm came through, destroyed the steeple on, on top of the church. Mm-hmm. Well, the church used to be like the the big deal in town. It used to have, you know, hundreds of people, you know, whatever. Now they're down to 80 or whatever. I don't know what the actual number is right now, but far less than where they were then. Uh, so the storm comes through, tears down the steeple. Everybody in the church... We've got to get that steeple back up, man. It, it That's been something that people have looked at for 200 years. That's We've how got God that finds our building on Sunday morning. Oh, oh, yeah. It's the only one with the, a steeple. The problem is it was going to cost them $60,000, oh, I yeah. think, mm-hmm. to be able to replace the steeple, to be able to put a steeple back on top of the building. The pastor of the church that I'm talking to, I says, well, do you have the money to pay it? He said, yeah, if we don't pay anything else. I said, what do you mean? He's like, that's about all we got in the bank. 
He said, but they would rather mm-hmm. give all of that money to get that steeple back up because it's just got to be there than they would to say, hey, let's just shingle over that spot and let's move on. Let's save us, you know, know, $55,000. I know of a church where the pastor, if you you were to ask him, you know, when did you decide that you were going to leave the church that you were in for so many years? Like, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? It was when they had a business meeting and they, uh, according to their bylaws, they had to vote to do a new members class to bring new members in, and they voted it down that they didn't want new members coming in, and in the same meeting voted... Uh, to repaint part of the church. Yeah. And he was like, that's when I knew I was just like, I'm done. Yeah. Well, and, and this <laughs> wow. pastor was yeah. is, is frustrated not only because of that, that particular thing, but he's also thinking, I'm trying to do ministry. You know, I want us to do outreach. I want yeah. us to get outside of these walls. I want us to be you able to get of, into nursing A lot of Bibles for $60,000. And, and he said the response that he got from the people is, oh, well, we'll just do fundraisers. We'll sell things to our community. You can't sell enough hot dogs. Hot dogs. Oh, yeah. exactly we'll, that, we'll, we'll, we'll make we'll, the Methodists pay right. for it. We'll we'll do these meals, and we'll I mean we'll just work, and we'll we'll you know, and, and so here's another part of this equation. And I'm going to guess that some church represented here might do some fundraisers. Um, what do you think about fundraisers? I mean, uh, within the church, expecting to raise money from those outside of the church, which most fundraisers do, unless you're doing a, you're the like devil's a, had that a money bake, long enough, you know, like a, a cake auction or something within the church or something. And it's just to raise money for children or youth or something. But most fundraisers are like, Hey, come on, buy a ticket, drive through and get a meal. What do you think about that to be able to pay for the church, well, you know, it, pay for the, the work? Well, it goes the to the question of why, like, mm-hmm. why are we doing Like, we, we had a craft fair. We're having one in April. The whole point was to raise money for Lottie Moon. Now, we had people from the outside, vendors from the outside come in, but that money was going towards Lottie Moon. So I, I, I would have to say the why. that That is But going... is, that in, is that in place of, and I guess this is my question, is that in place of the church doing that? Or is this in addition to the it's church a, doing that? It's an addition. Because yeah. if it's in addition to, okay, I mean, great. I, I don't have any problem with that. But what I'm seeing a lot of is churches doing this in place of giving. Mm-hmm. So instead of me, you know, pouring so out and, is, and doing better if, myself within the church. If people gave the way that they were supposed to biblically, we would never have to do a fundraiser. Is that what you're saying? I would say the odds are probably pretty good yeah. that if we so, gave the way we're supposed to give, right. so I would challenge we would need bit. fundraisers because I think I, d- I think in a lot of churches that is the case. But for instance, um, in our in our church context, our church is very young demographically. So when, when say we wanted to go on a mission trip and we wanted to raise money to send a team on a short term mission trip or something like that, um. If we if if our uh, normal annual budget doesn't include a fund for a mission trip that people are giving to, then that money's got to come from somewhere. And so you can either go to the members and say, "Hey, y'all, pony up some more." You know, if the Lord's put it on your heart, then you need to give to this to this work. But what do you do when, in our case, the majority of our church are like twenty and thirty year olds that are working their first jobs 
or they've got college debt or they're starting a family and they just don't they just don't have uh money. And so they may give faithfully, but they're giving a little faithfully, you know, because that's what they have. And so I think if you assume your average church that's predominantly older with people who are retired or had a pension or made investments when they were younger or whatever, you're like, yeah, they might be sitting on a pile of money and say, yeah, I'd, l- I'd love to write a, a an extra check, you know, and do a love offering or something like that for some kind of work. I think that would be great. Um, and I think like if I went on Sunday morning and said, hey, there's this specific urgent need and we want to take up a special offering for them or whatever, would we would we get something? Yeah, I think people would give above and beyond. But I think if you look at that numerically, it depends on the demographic of your people. Same thing as your location. You might if have a church full of widows, widow mites. Well, that or or you even look at the community, right? Like like when you're when you're basing your budget, you you want to look at what is the median income for this county or this city, and and gauge that off of your membership. Okay, this is what people on average are making, uh, and you want it to be commensurate to that. Same thing like with a, with a pastor's salary. You don't want the pastor making two or three times what the people in the church make. That just doesn't that doesn't make really? sense. And it's sure? not good God blessed all yeah. kinds of people in the Bible. <laughs> That's right. It he says can, he's he worthy of me. double honor. Bless God. Um, but you know, but tell that to Johnny Mac. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's the whole thing. If you lived in L.A., it's probably going to cost a whole lot for you to do. Stuff I need to too, live in a two million dollar house though. But um, but again, demographically, okay, you know, uh, for instance, it, it, I would assume, and this could be wrong, if we were all to, to look numbers here. I would bet the average giving unit is probably higher in Adams Church with him being in West Asheville near Hipsterland, where you know it costs half a million dollars to have a shed from Lowe's or something, <laughs> than it would be in at Liberty and Candler or even out here just because we're not a major area. Now, a, a church in Charlotte taking up a love offering would probably be a whole lot bigger than a church in Asheville. Just, just demographically, it's like I tell people. You know, people talk about well, John MacArthur's the only Reformed Baptist that has a church with more than like fifty people in it. It's like, well, yeah, but that's because he's in a city with like millions of people in it. And so, if John MacArthur was pastoring in Candler, his church would have like two or three hundred people in it, and that'd be a mega church, you know. Um, so, so I think uh, should we uh, in an ideal situation, yes. The members should be providing for all of the ministry of the church. I think that's the that would be a goal, assuming that they're able to do that. You know, and this so is all, that should be the rule. And but there could be some. You look at something like church planning when you're starting yeah. a new work. You've got to raise funds from that, right? Um, because you don't have the people yet. Now the people should be faithful in serving and giving to get that church started. But somewhere another church or somebody's going to have to help them out financially to get them started. Right. Uh, or they're just not going to be able to make it and, and establish themselves. And so, um, you know, I, just as a practical example, there's a there's a church plant in uh, Miami that our church partners with uh, through Pillar Network. And so whenever COVID hit, they had like five key families in their church plant. They're, they were only like two years old at the time. Um, five key families relocated because of all the economic stuff that happened. Well, when you're in like a new church plant, five of your key families, I mean, that's that's a huge hit on your giving. It doesn't take a lot when you're a small church. So the network sent an email out, hey, are there any churches that are in your position to try to help them out until they can kind of come back up? And we were. And so we said, yeah, we want to partner with them and uh, financially and help support them so that their pastor can keep doing the ministry in the community and keep working on the church because we believed in what they were doing. And, they're, and, and they are starting to sl- slowly recover from that as they're uh, beginning to grow again and things are opening up and all of that. But uh, 
it wouldn't be fair to go to him at that time and say, well, the rest of y'all just need to step it up if they're already giving sacrificially. Right. You know, now if they're not, that's a that's a different issue, but that's a spiritual issue. But what I'm saying is, is demographically, um, uh, I think you have to look at the individual church. I don't think we can make a statement for mm-hmm. all the churches and say this is, you know, how it's going. Well, it goes back to the why. For example, like with like this guy, the the pastor of this plant church, you know, they he could lose all these people. And let's say he was full time, just he he's full time. He's making whatever. So all these people leave. Well, we need to raise giving. Why? To cover, well, ultimately to cover myself. I don't want to go by vocational. And so that's what I'm saying. The why is such a critical piece because, I mean, just like the steeple. It's funny. I was laughing because our steeple, we put a new roof on our sanctuary. Great. But we didn't take the steeple off. And now there's holes in the steeple and it's leaking through the steeple. So now we've got this discussion and it to, to either repair it or get rid of it. And, um, the amount of money just to get a crane to remove it right. is mm. stupid. Like, yeah. because what, what we were just talking about when they built our sanctuary, the pastor wanted the tallest steeple in Asheville. And at the time it was, that was their mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like, it also works when you're a uh, dispensational premillennial because Jesus is coming back before the steeple gets old anyways. <laughs> but, but I said, you're just on a roll today. <laughs> he, he really is. It's but, this Red Bull. <laughs> I've got wings. It's because Dennis is not here. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> no, I, no, I would have said it to Dennis too. He just, he just would have said something back. That's right. That's right. But this conversation would be going a different direction. <laughs> but I think, I think you're onto something. You, you, you call it the why. I, I, I would call it priorities. So, you look at a budget and you look at your money, it's going to reveal your priorities really quick. Mm-hmm. Is Are we more concerned That's with personally the, too? Right. Are we more concerned <laughs> with the mission or are we more concerned with the building or the steeple or whatever? And money more than anything will reveal the priorities of your heart. It's either, it's either God or mammon. It's either myself or the That's cross. And um, churches have, have to take a hard look at that too and say, yeah. man, wh- where have our priorities been? Or, what are, what have we really been focusing on? Are we more inward? Because the money will tell you that if 90% of our budget is being spent on ourselves, or are we more outward focused, more missional focused? And um, some of those are no brainers. Like to me, I look at the steeple and I'd say, Psh, get rid of it. Who cares? <laughs> right? right. But, but you've got the, the tug of war between generations. Mm-hmm. And that's where the rub comes in, where you get, where you get the fighting over how we're going to spend the money. And it all has to come back to all right. What's our what is our priorities about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we exist and keep going forward without mm-hmm. a steeple? Yes, we mm-hmm. can. Yeah. And we're compromising. That's gonna ultimately, you know, that decision may lay in a vote, or it may 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 vote may lay in a in the the pastoral decision, and and that's a situation where you're probably not gonna make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. In those in those kinds of situations, right. that's but, that's leadership is making making the hard choice. Yeah. yeah, you've got to think about the mission. You've got to think about the longevity of the church. Um, you've got to think about one day I've got to stand before the Lord Jesus and give an account. For right. <laughs> so I was going to say that I think that's another um, factor that a lot of people have to think so about. There's the whole stewardship yeah. aspect yeah. of that, and I think when you look at those things, it, it should really be the rudder in guiding your your finances you you have to you have to think about the fear of god you know and 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 that's that's one of the things that i have seen uh in a lot of churches in general is um people don't have fear of god that doesn't factor into their decision making 
be they they essentially uh, budget and hold their meetings and make their decisions like an atheist. Jesus is coming back. You know, like yeah, he is. Yeah, and <laughs> and, 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 and Sapphira, and we personally and as churches are going to have to give an account. And I think that's one of the right. questions that that should be the ultimate question with a steeple. The question is, okay, it costs this much to fix the steeple. Um, if Jesus were to return tomorrow and look at our uh, look at our uh, receipts on our bank account. Um, would he consider it good stewardship to spend this amount of money on this project? That should be the number one question. It's his house. Uh, yeah, it's him. Yeah, it, it is. You know, and we and we should take care he of it. He lives there. Yes. But but the question is is if you spend sixty thousand dollars on a steeple, and you've got you know widows that aren't receiving care in the church, you've got people in your community that right. don't own a Bible. Nobody's ever put a gospel anything into their hands. You've got uh, missionaries that are coming off the field because of that. You don't want to stand before Jesus and say, "Well, we got a really nice steeple." Mm-hmm. That's not the answer that you're going to yeah. want to give him because that's, like you said, that's not his priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, do you take care of your building? Absolutely. You want to be a good steward of it, but like in situations like that, that should be the question that specifically pastors need to put before people is is uh, based on God's word and what we know about Jesus. What do you think He wants in this situation? Yeah. yeah. I, I think this actually could be a good segue into kind of the final part of this, though, because we wanted to deal with a little bit about um, tithing, giving, stewardship and all that in a time of COVID or in a time of a pandemic that we're dealing with right now. And, and you're talking about, you know, uh, what would please Jesus, you know, and and I think a lot of times we we, we may not consider that. You know, I hear people talking about the church too many times as though, the church is just a business. And so we run it as a business. And so what they're looking at is a bottom line. And and so in order for us to, you know, keep up this massive building, we've got to spend X amount of money, this, that, and this, and the other. They're looking at it as, as kind of a line and go, well, this has got to be taken care of. This got to be taken care of. But we don't factor in the spiritual side of that. We're not factoring in how are we reaching the community. This is one of the things that, you know, I, I somewhat advocate, and, and I'll say this, number one, I don't want anything to do with giving as far as knowing what people are giving or, or anything like that. But as a pastor, I absolutely want something to do with the budget and how we're going to deal with that budget. Because the way it can be is that uh, people will uh, form a team and the team is built off of, you know, ex bankers or financial it, people who have done very well for themselves. They own a business, whatever it may be. And they come together with these business minds and all they're thinking about is the business aspect of it. And we fail to get the spiritual aspect in there. We, mm-hmm. we fail to get, how do we reach our community? How do we take care of the widows, the orphans or whatever it may be. And so priorities, as you said earlier, is is a huge key thing. I would think right now priorities should be even more of a major deal for us, especially dealing with this pandemic. Um, I, I've read different reports, different surveys. Uh, some of them are all over the place, but there's been a ton of churches, and I mean thousands of churches, that have closed down over the last two, three years uh, because COVID hit. They they didn't have the money in the bank really to kind of keep going on. They were holding on by a thread uh, or they were doing okay. But when COVID hit, 
nobody was in the building, nobody was giving, and, and the next thing you know, now we just can't continue on in ministry. Or you've got those, uh, which is a smaller percentage. I think one survey said it was like 18%, actually has seen an increase in giving through COVID. Um, and then you've got others that are kind of staying the same or, you know, whatever. Um, but dealing with a pandemic the way we have, um, I'm not going to ask you, uh, you know, on a personal level, as far as your church goes, you know, how has your church done, but how has your church responded or how have you led your church to respond during this time of a pandemic when it comes to giving, when it comes to spending, when it comes to ministry, has that changed any? Have have you maybe changed your priorities a little bit through this? We we've done uh, we've done fine financially through it, um, but what I've encouraged our what you ask about teaching and things of that nature is my message hasn't changed at all. Is is that? we need to give sacrificially because giving is an act of worship, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the whole word is worth ship, right? Mm -hmm. We're, we're ascribing worth. And the thing I've always told our church is, you know, let's say I invited you over for dinner and you pull into our house. We got a decent house, nice house. We got two cars. We got, you know, you come in, the furniture's nice, things are nice. And, and we sit down for dinner and I pull out to go boxes and I give it to you. And it's like a half eaten burrito <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. And then, Oh, just throw it in the microwave. Right. It's just my leftovers. And I think so many Christians, that's the way we think of giving. Like we don't want to give God our best. It's the idea of the first fruits and uh, the, all of those things. It's like giving God our best. We give God our leftovers. Mm -hmm. And and that's what Malachi was talking about. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people, you know, especially during times when things are tight and and uh, the pandemic, people have lost their jobs and things of that nature. Is God still worth it to you? Is Jesus still worth it to you during that? And and like you said, your amount might drop because you don't have as much income. But my giving, I need to give God my very best, mm -hmm. the first fruits, the very best that I can right off the top because he's worth it as opposed to the offering. Play. Oh, I, let me throw five dollars up, put right. some change in there. I, I'm giving God my leftovers. And um, well, think about the leaders of Jesus day, the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. He he says you you're tithing off your your mint and your cumin. You know you're you're tithing all your spices, your your herbs or, or you whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, what are you tithing on? Right. Are, are you just choosing the least of what you have, or are you t tithing off of the best that you have? You're, you're giving your absolute best, yeah. and so that's that's the thing I've told our people. And I, and I would be curious on that same note is do you guys have any measurables? I know that's one of those things that people don't like. And you were talking about, I don't like to look at who gives, but one of the things we've tried to do is we have the number of members, you know, we've only got, I think, well now 52 members. And so what I do is I divide our total income by the amount of members. So it comes to a number and then I multiply that by 10 because that should give the income. <laughs> so most of our church is in poverty is what I've realized, <laughs> which is not the case, but that's one of the measurables that I use. But I'm just curious, do you guys use anything to look at from a member standpoint? I mean, you, y'all are pretty, uh, the covenant membership type stuff. Do y'all have anything like that? So I mean, part of the church covenant includes regular giving. 
so I mean, technically, uh, if we if we were if we were looking at every individual person's things, you know, uh, we could discipline somebody if they weren't doing that. We don't do that right now. Um, we have the ability to look at people's stuff if we want to, but that's not a a regular thing that we do. Um, I think. Uh, we try to have an awareness. I mean, my, my biggest thing is like, you know, uh, consistency, even it's not like, you know, well, this person's in the top 10 givers in our church or whatever. Like, I don't know who those people are. Right. Um, but I would want to know, you know, is, is whoever's giving, are they giving consistently? Or for instance, you have older people they might give once a month if they're right. on fixed income or something like that. And so, um, trying to understand where people are, but we don't really get down into the nitty gritty of like what everybody's doing, you know? Um, we don't either, but, but it could also be, uh, you know, there's also situations too, which we haven't really had to deal with this, but I have talked with other pastors about it of, you know, when you, when you have that church member that wants to start pitching a fit about everything, that's a fair question to ask is, are you really committed to this church? Because, uh, if you want to come into a meeting and, and start a bunch of nonsense, or you're trying to split the church or you're trying to go against the pastor and you won't put a dime in the plate, then you really don't have as much of a say as you think you do. One of our professors at Fruitland told us a story. <laughs> he said he had one of those that was, you know, I'd give, and he made a big deal about the amount of money. I give X amount, blah, 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 blah. And he was trying to power trip. Well, they looked it up and he'd only gave like $25 on the year. So they gave him his $25 back. There you go. Yeah. Well, you know, I $25 mean, it, it, it wasn't there. unusual in, in generations past. They just post up uh, the giving up at, up at the front of the church yeah. when people walk in. That, Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, Wednesday. Well, no, I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking a roster. No, he's talking oh, about a I roster. I mean, post yeah. up a roster. Oh, of, this that? is the church member. This is what they've given for the year so far. And they said, if you're ashamed of it, do better. I mean, I've I've heard of people doing that. And I'm not. I'm not. But well, what you said, that. Though, right? Because somebody but, could be truly poor. <laughs> but yeah, they could be. But at the same time, there is an aspect there. Of, That's where you have to uh, look at it pr- proportionally. If 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 you would be ashamed about what you're giving, then you you need to examine yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, what you you know, I don't know what everybody in my church makes yeah. either, so I don't know. You know, based off of that, right? So let me throw something out there to kind of address your question about how has COVID changed the the giving thing. So early on when when COVID hit, I got a barrage of calls and emails from different outlets that do the the they're the they're the middleman for online giving. So for those of you that don't know, um if your church offers online giving, they have to go through a, a middleman, a medium. Mm-hmm. And there are companies that provide that service and they get a percentage of the the the, the offering. Say so you give a hundred dollars, well they get it they get a dollar fifty or whatever for the transaction fee, so churches are solicited by these companies. Hey, you don't have, you don't have that, and we can provide that service for you. And here's what it will, it will cost. Um, so when COVID hit early on, there was this big push to, hey, pastor, you gotta, you need to move to online giving. You need to, you need to be in the 21st century because people aren't coming to your church, and so this is a, another way that you can increase giving. And everybody. Um, of course, says that's going to increase your tithe. But if you if you look at it about the transaction fee, what they take off of that, it, it can be pretty significant over a year's time. But that's a separate matter. But anyway, I got to thinking about that, and um, I don't know how it would work in your church, but I know in my church, most of the giving is done 
through cold hard cash and checks. It's just that's just the the type of people that um, are there at the church. Now, if we offered the online giving, there would probably be a few. The younger people would definitely be on board with it more so than the silver haired old old lady. But there's something about that that just really sticks in my crawl that I can't get can't get past. And maybe it's just the old school in me, but there is something about bringing something physical and offering it to the Lord and putting it in the plate as it goes by. As you said, it is an act of worship. Mm -hmm. It should be a part of our worship service um, where we bring something and get, and there's just something about taking that physical money or that, that whatever, and, and offering it to God as part of the worship. Whereas if you remove that from the service, or I'm just going to give online, it seems like that aspect is lost in the procedure of worship. Mm. And to me, that means something. Like we do a, we do a children's change offering so the children can have a part in, in the worship service. And so we have little sand buckets that the kids come down during the offering time and if you've got spare change, coins, or whatever in your pocket, the kids go around and and they they receive that offering, and and that goes to fund different things in the in the children's ministry. But um, to me, I don't know. I just see things changing in our world, in our in our churches, where um, maybe there's a changing of the guard. We are moving more toward a cashless society, mm-hmm. and as we make that change, how I mean, I don't know how personally. I'm struggling yeah. with it. Because I'm old school, and there is something in the worship about bringing that gift and and, and offering right. it to the Lord, right. and I just feel like it gets lost in ones and zeros when we punch it in on a phone or so, or whatever. So we do online giving, and and I completely understand your point, but I also look at it from our perspective: is that we get paid on Friday. Guess what comes out first before anything is our ties to the church. So mm-hmm. it's like right off the top. There's no, there's no way we can spend it because it's the first thing that comes out um, every month. And it was weird because when we first started online giving, we actually started it before the pandemic. And because what you said, most people don't have cash. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially younger people and even the older people are now, or we even have a, uh, what do you call the little box now uh, that you slide your car through. Mm-hmm. We even have one of those for Wednesday nights because people don't have uh, money. Um, but it started out with, there's only three or four people using it, but now we're probably about half the church, if not more than half the church is, and is giving it. And most of the people I've talked to, and, and the way I present it is what I just said. If you set it up on the day you get paid, it's like right off the top, God, that's yours right off the bat. And, um, but I do understand where you can, um, it can lose something, but for us personally, it hasn't because mm-hmm. we're looking at it as that first fruit yeah. piece that's so there off the top. The the Mormons have solved both of your problems. <laughs> oh yes. So um, they don't get the gospel right, but there there's <laughs> things that I've learned from them. So uh, in the Mormon Church, uh, it's a, t- a mandatory ten percent. Uh, you can't go on missions. You can't serve or do anything in the church if you're not giving ten percent of your income, and they know that. They, they can tell what you make versus what you give. So you have to be able to, to prove, you know, that you're giving 10% if you kind of apply to do anything. So the way they do it is uh, when you join the church, they give they set up all your membership stuff, including the ability to draft your bank account. 
and then they give you a member ID. So everybody in the LDS church has a has like a member ID for all their records and genealogy and all that stuff. So to know whose wives are whose and stuff. Yeah, well, don't get me started on that. <laughs> we we could do a whole other episode on that. I'll get some missionaries <laughs> to come in here and talk to us. Um, but uh, but so what they do on on Sunday morning in their services is they have vouchers. So they have these little paper vouchers and. Uh, what you do is, is you just write your member number of what your member number is and how much you want to give, and you put that in the plate, and then the church drafts it out of your account. Well, some churches even have a like a kiosk. Yeah, yeah. But but it's, it's, it's so, it's, so, so, so you get so you get you get so the benefit of putting something in the thing, plate, yeah. but then the church is making yeah. sure they get their money too. Yeah. Do you do online? Which is also why Mormon, the Mormon church is like ridiculously wealthy. Do you guys do online? Giving? We do. So yeah. I would the last time I checked, I think uh, it was over twenty five percent. I think of our giving that came in was online. Um, so my wife and I recently had the same conversation, Derek, because what we, what we realized is is that our kids weren't seeing us give when we give online. Mm-hmm. So we were thinking, okay, how are we going to uh, encourage them to participate uh, in giving themselves if we are not kind of modeling that for them? Like we wouldn't do that with singing or with sitting under preaching or prayer or anything like that. There has to be some way to model it. So what we're trying to, we're, we're transitioning. It's hard for me because I never keep cash or I don't even have a checkbook at all. So like everything else that we do is online, but I'm trying when I get paid to go get that cash out, like you said, so it's out right away. You don't have to worry about it disappearing or whatever. Um, and we're trying to do it to where, uh, you know, we split that. I, we get paid every two weeks. We try to split that up between two weeks and then give each one of the kids a little bit of that money so that, you know, we're we're putting it in, but then the kids are, are modeling the idea of giving. And then uh, we recently started doing – uh, a small allowance for our kids to kind of teach them about money. And so that's part of the process is they can learn, you know, well, when you work and you earn this money or whatever, what are you going to do with it? Like, um, and so I need a debit card. <laughs> so I, I'm actually, you know, as much, as much as I am for like technology and that kind of stuff. Now we have people that maybe are out of town or seasonal people and they still like to give. And mm-hmm. so the online is a nice option to have. But I'm inclined to agree with you, Derek. I think uh, after talking with my wife about it, she's a better theologian than I am sometimes. Um, I think she made a good argument that is specifically for kids. They need Mm -hmm. to see that it's a normal thing when the plate goes by for everybody in church to be putting something in. Even, even, and it's not about the amount, but just the act of doing it of part of being a part of a local church is you are regularly and cheerfully contributing to the work of yeah. the church. My family don't sit together at all on Sunday mornings. Well, and mine yeah. doesn't either. Oh, so. yeah. by the way, you have to have kids in church in order for them to see that. Yeah, that's I'm, true. Yeah, we do. I'm, yeah. I'm going to give a plug for it, uh, even though I know our Rainer is not listening you to do us, it? but there's a More Than Money podcast that I listen to regularly. Um, and, and he has been dealing with some of that here lately, especially this, this, this past week. Um, yes, we started online giving or, uh, I led the church to to start online giving since I've been there. Um, and one of the reasons why I did that was because we had some people that wanted to support the ministry that I was going to, that were not locals. They Mm -hmm. were, they were not in the area, uh, you know, friends, family, whatever spread all over the place. And they're like, Hey, what's the easiest way for us to be able to give if we want to help you with outreach or, or something like that. So they, they were taking me on almost as a, as a missionary in a sense. 
and and that's been good for us. I, we've had money come in through those means that we probably would not have had. Um, it's slow to get people to to jump on board. Uh, you were talking about demographics earlier, uh, especially based on your demographics. What's the age of the mm-hmm. folks that you have? Um, I'm almost at that point that you're at. I've got one checkbook. I hate writing a check now. I mean, I just, I, I don't even want to pull it out, but there's occasions where, where I do that. Um, but Art Rainer was dealing with something on that more than money podcast about, um, you know, if it's gotten to the point where there is no worship in your giving. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's where the struggle is, is getting at this point with this online thing. Mm-hmm. If you're getting to that point where there is no worship, like you don't think about it anymore. It's just something that happens. Um, you, 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 you never think, and it's easy to say, well, it just comes out. It's automatic. I don't have to think about it. You know, whatever. That's great. Mm-hmm. But if you lose the act of worship that's a part of that, that's what I'm saying. I think that's that's bad too. Like it, and, this is not. Yeah, the I don't same. think about my mortgage yeah. payment when it and comes see, out. It's not the same yeah, as me paying my right. light bill. You, yeah, we don't right. think about it with a light bill. Right. But but I'll tell you where I've come, and 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 I've not gotten to this point where I'm taking out cash or anything like that. But I will not do mine on auto pay. I've got all my bills on auto pay, but I won't do that one. I just cannot get to that point where I, where I'll set mm-hmm. it up. Not that I couldn't, not that, that that that's not possible, but there's something to me about even going to the computer, pulling it up, putting in the amount that I'm giving, where mm-hmm. it's going, you know, whatever it may be, that that I feel is still a part of worship. And when I do that, I even share that with my wife. You mm-hmm. know, hey, I'm 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 giving and, you know, uh, your paycheck, my check, whatever it is. Um, I, I'm giving online uh, just so that she's aware and and, and we're both kind of thinking about it mm-hmm. because I think for me, it would get to the point like my power bill. I mean, I rarely even know what my power bill is anymore. It, it just comes out of my So I, I did that. Yeah. I, I had us uh, on auto pay for a little while and that's where the conversation came up between me and my wife of like, okay, yes, I'm glad that the money is getting in the church's bank account, right. but what about for us spiritually? And the other thing that I thought about with doing it online that way is um, the offering is a corporate offering. So, it, it, and the same the same way as I've been pitching a fit lately and doing videos and all this stuff about corporeal worship in your body, about uh, worshiping in your body with other people who are in their bodies, in other words, physically at the church, of that being true corporate worship then really giving is the same way of me giving individually might just be an offering, mm-hmm. but part of what, uh, part of the experience of it is, uh, these, these are my brothers and sisters. Like I'm paying for that marriage counseling over there, or I'm paying for, uh, that kid to get some school supplies that he needs or, um, <laughs> my wife's calling me right now, actually, but, um, <laughs> my uh, wife, by the way, is what yours. Yes, she's listed as my hot wife in the phone in in case I don't Yeah, I scored some points with that one, but um (laughs) but for us that that was part of the theology of it too is is if you're not uh giving together, are you actually worshiping together in that way? And so um, you know, we have it like an app and all that, so like you can sit on your phone and pull it up during the offering time and try to give it 
and I have problems with that when I try to do that. It seems to never work. But. I don't. I, I guess, and and I'm hearing what you're saying because I've never thought about these things. If I'm just being dead honest with you, the the children thing is the one that's kind of sticking out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and training them up. Um, to, that's what got me too. Yeah, but but and, and I, then I think about our situation. Like I'm not sitting with my family. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I couldn't. You know, my family sitting up next behind the pulpit. But, but you are all there. Yeah, we are all there. Uh, but I guess what I'm, the question I'm, I'm wrestling with my head right now is if everybody's talking about worship and giving is worship. Um, is is worship? I, I I guess where I'm trying to think is, and you said, well, I hope I don't forget about it. You don't because you get a thing every week. You're you're giving X amount even if it's auto pay. Which um, now that you guys have said that, maybe I should when I get that email, or I think it's an email. Yeah, it's an email. Maybe I should sit there and just thank God for all I have. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a moment that I could have mm-hmm. that relationship with God because I I do understand the whole forget about it, but I also think that you're still worshiping by giving. So let are me, you not? Let me throw something out there that um, I heard a pastor. Um, he was actually a missionary in in another country. It was in Africa somewhere, and it was a it was in a country where they don't get a lot of rainfall. And he said that he had some evangelism yield some fruit, and he had several converts that he had to baptize. They were excited about baptism. He had like a dozen people. Well, the country was in a drought at that time. So baptism was going to be really inconvenient for them because how do you find a a good body of water when, number one, water is scarce and precious, and number two, the, the ground is pretty hard. And they couldn't just go to the river. It was all dried up. So baptism was not convenient. Well, you say, well, he could have sprinkled. Nah, no, no, no. He was true credo baptism, right? Had to dunk him, immersion. So what he said that they did is they got the members of the church to go. They didn't have a baptism pool or anywhere to go. So they dug a hole in the ground and they lined it with plastic. And everybody brought bucket of water from wherever wherever they were finding it and they over a course of several hours of doing that they filled up this little hole in the ground so that they could baptize people the point was in order to obey the scripture in order to fulfill the baptism in the biblical way it was very hard work and it was inconvenient but they did it because they they wanted it to mean something. They wanted it to be honorable of the Lord. And I always think about that illustration, and if you you could translate it to giving. We're in a, a weird time in history where it's not really convenient to carry cash. It's kind of an extra thing on the list to do. I've got to go to the ATM and get cash, or i got to sit down and, and write this check out. Okay, it's not convenient, um, and it adds an extra thing to my list, but I think about those people digging that hole in Africa just so that and filling it up with with water so that they could do their baptism. I've got a first world problem complaining about getting cash or writing a check. And I know that the Bible doesn't prescribe a way to give like you must give XYZ. It has to be, you know, hard cash or whatever. But I think about that in terms of my worship. Sometimes in order to honor the Lord and and to fill like I'm fully going through with it, you have to, you have to, there has to be a cost associated with it. There has to be a, 
a hurdle to overcome to, to overcome that inconvenience or whatever. So I don't know if that perfect that is a perfect analogy. Yeah. But to me, it just seemed to apply in the same situation. Well, whereas COVID if, kind of threw some 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 hurdles in there, though. Yeah. If 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 you think about it like this way. First off, I'm not going to put cash in an envelope and send it anywhere through the U.S. Postal Service. It, it ain't going to happen. I'm just telling you, I've had too many letters get lost or a card that was supposed to reach me, reach me six months after it was sent, you know, whatever. So I'm not going to put cash, mm -hmm. you know. So if I'm in that position, just say like Ben is, where he doesn't even have a a checkbook, you know, he, he's doing everything through a card, you know, in, in most of his life. Uh, when COVID shut things down or when we shut down because of COVID, I guess, um, that threw a monkey wrench into things. I mean, that made it different mm -hmm. in a sense. And I guess that was kind of the, the direction we were heading a little bit is, you know, how did things change because of that? And I think a lot of churches found that this online giving was almost necessary to, to a degree to be able to to allow people to keep giving mm -hmm. and, and and I don't know um, I, I don't like the fact of me giving and not just thinking about it at all I, I I struggle with that but neither do I think me having to bring money into the the church worship service on Sunday right. morning um, is a must-have either so I'm mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of you know in, in between there. Some would argue, like for a pastor, well, if nobody sees the pastor giving, you know, then oh man, that's that's going to be bad. That's a bad example. Well, Bobby Burgess yeah. just said I could take an empty envelope and act like I'm putting it up. Right, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I want to I want to let my people know um, that you know, hey, these options, the, these are just options. You mm -hmm. get to choose. Right what you believe is the best for you in, in your situation, in your life. Um, I think that's a, that's the best approach. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we've got to give people some options today. I think we are moving away from a cashless society. You know, we are moving away from a checkbook. Society. And, the, and what I would say and, is there's nothing wrong know. with that. No, I, I, no, no, no. I don't see anything wrong. With I don't know. After the book I read today, I'm... <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do hat, get yeah. what you're saying about, we accept Bitcoin. Right. There, there's just something about uh, that being an act of worship. Everything. Just it, like singing, just like, yeah. you know, whatever. So many things in our lives are moving to a digital experience. Yes. Or a, an online thing. And I don't want worship to become that. I don't want right. it to be an auto draft. I don't well, want right. it to be well, something right. that I just don't even think well, about. I just, yeah. uh, it's uh, easier to be set apart from the world now. Well, mm -hmm. and I'll yeah. say this is like True. to your analogy, okay? Would you say that? It is it is better to go out in your yard and dig a hole and do baptism as it is to do the baptism in your baptistry. Didn't we do a baptism? Uh, no, but but that's that's, that's assuming that it's the same thing though. That's the argument is that it's not the same thing. But it is because you're accomplishing the same exact. Are are you though? That's the real yeah. If question. I baptize somebody in the baptistry, I'm talking about with regards to giving. So what you're saying yeah. is, as long as the money ends up in the church bank account, does it really matter? Well, I, I would say, the, well, obviously the meaning behind it, like if it, I would say yes, when it comes to giving, because I don't think if people's heart isn't, aren't, well, I was about to say, if people's heart's not right, they wouldn't give, but that, no, 
that's not the case. Because I, I mean, because as Baptists, we make that argument with baptism, like, but but if, giving, if you didn't go under, it doesn't count. But giving is sacrificial, right? But what we're really talking about is the mode of giving, the same mm-hmm. way as we were talking about the mode of baptism. Right, that, we, that's more. We would say there's there's a right and a wrong way to baptize. So what would be the wrong way to give? Well, that's the question. Is, but is, uh, is, is, but vir- you wouldn't is say, virtual giving giving? But you wouldn't say, would you say that giving online right. is wrong? <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's So evil. that's what I'm, that's but, what but I'm but saying. But there has to be an initial, even if you set it up on auto. There's got to be an There's act. something initial where yeah. you're saying, look, I want to give I'm, I'm giving. to the work of the Lord. Thank I want to give to my church. And so this is how much as a family we've chosen to give. Right. We're on board, me and my wife or whatever, and, and we can even include our kids in that. I don't have kids at home anymore, so I don't <laughs> deal with that. But you, you can in, include them as well. And, and there is the initial act. So I, it, while I do struggle with it a little bit individually, like every time I give, I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's something I need to be like participating in. But at the same time, I can't say that somebody if who I sets give- it up on autopay is not worshiping. Because they're still giving. Yeah, it's still 15. Let's say I give 15, 20%. It's still, regardless if I'm sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, thank you. You know, it's it's still, the act is still occurring. So so here's the question. I've got another one too. If we we go go back to Malachi. We might have to go part two. If we go back to Malachi. Yeah, yeah, we might have to go part two. Why did he say bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse and not send them? Because that's the difference. You can send the money, but that's different than bringing the money. No, I disagree. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just saying. Well, Malachi I mean, wasn't writing in a in a time when there was a, such a thing as online giving, obviously. Right. So. Right. But but the reality is 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 the idea of of uh, sending your offering by proxy is not what God wanted. He wanted well, you to bring the What offering. I was going to say is this opens up a whole larger uh, can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole larger can of worms Part is... Part two. Right? We're, we're in this strange we'll quasi-matrix uh, thing where how much of the online church thing is is actually being a part of the church. Like me sitting at home watching live stream on my computer and typing comments while the preacher preaches and sending in my time. How much of that is actually... Well, okay. have, we not, have we not done this yet? I've had this conversation so many times I was going to say, so we but are pertains. running into a part two. I know. That's, I would say we that, do that could next be week. a whole different show. Maybe that needs of, to be next week. Uh, of yes, online we versus in person. Okay, yes. Maybe so, we could do that. that it applies. If you're listening yes. and you want to get set up for this, okay, <laughs> yeah. go, to, go to my blog, which is reform.faith. Oh, Lord. Okay, and I have an article there on corporeal worship that talks exactly about what Derek's talking about, and I have a video that I did at our pastor's conference uh, two weeks ago that's on my Facebook page, if you go. Booyah. Uh, because wow. I am like, this is like Talk my... Talk about a segue. And you can this also give right to BenKerfmanMinistries.com. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I don't want your virtual money. Oh, but you would take it. He only I, takes I, Bitcoin. I only take yeah. g- g- Bitcoin or gold bars. Republic that's, credit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. We've gone off the rails now, guys. Uh, look, hey, I think it's been a great discussion. Uh, evidently, we need to carry this through. Uh, we, we, we've seen that there is a segue to uh, a, a little bit deeper part of uh, what worship is and maybe even online worship, which is another thing that we're dealing with in these COVID days, I guess you could say. Um, but we are so thankful to have you a part of the podcast uh, whenever you're watching this, where we appreciate your support. Absolutely. We hope that you 
click and and just follow us uh, just so you can get uh, announcements when we're going live and and whatever the topics are every Tuesday is the plan at three o'clock. So we hope that you'll join us again next week. Uh, Ben, Derek, Adam, it's been good to be with you again today. I hope y'all have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review.